0: Welcome to this Open Your Eyes podcast. I'm McKay Christensen, and it's great to have you here today. You might ask, why is this called Open Your Eyes? Well, a few years ago, my friend Jake Olson and I wrote a book called Open Your Eyes. And You see, Jake had lost his eyesight partway through life to cancer. And we often talked about the fact that you can't be what you can't see and even though he had lost his physical eyesight he could still envision he could still imagine his future life so our goal then and my goal now was to help you and me open our eyes to what we can become so wherever you're listening right now and whenever the setting is whether you're walking or driving or in your home office my hope is we can learn together you know the japanese have a saying and it goes like this ino nakano kawazu takai oshirazu And it means a frog in a well cannot conceive of the ocean. Like this frog, if all we ever did was based on what we could clearly see, well, we'd do very little, wouldn't we? But we have within us the power to imagine, to see, and to envision ourselves differently. And this is a true power. Years ago, I was in a very uh, intimate seminar, just 20 or 30 of us with Dr. Stephen Cubby. And it lasted for two days, and at the end of that two-day period, he had a question and answer session, and the very last question that was asked, a woman stood and she said, how do you really know, Dr. Covey, that we as human beings have this ability to change that you've talked about? And he said, I want you to do something for me, everyone in the room. I'd like you to close your eyes. We all did. He said, I'd like you to imagine that you're separating from your body that you're starting to float up above your body. And we did, my eyes were closed. I was imagining this. He said, can you see the top of your head? And I could imagine it. He said, now imagine you're starting to rise further and you're going higher and you can see the tops of the heads of everyone on your table. And I could do that. And he said, and keep imagining you're floating up higher and now you're bumping up against the ceiling and you can see the whole room in your view. He said, now I'd like you to open your eyes. He said, this is a gift that we as humans have that no other animal has. We can see ourselves in a different situation than we actually are. So next time you're facing the circumstances where you know you need to act differently, imagine yourself doing it differently, and it will help make that happen. This was a profound lesson that I learned that day. It had a, lot, a big impact on my thinking that yes, we can see ourselves being different than we are. And there's great power in that concept. To see firsthand the power of this principle, you don't have to go any further than Clemson University and coach Dabo Sweeney. Despite a very difficult childhood, Dabo played football for the University of Alabama. And after graduating from college, he became a graduate assistant for the football team. And he had a dream. He envisioned himself being a head coach by the age of 40. So as he worked as a graduate assistant and assistant football coach for nine years for the University of Alabama, he felt like he was headed towards that goal. But then all of a sudden, the entire coaching staff was fired. And for two years, he worked outside of football, wondering if his vision with his dream, if you will, would ever become a reality. Then a call out of the blue came from a friend, come to Clemson, and be the recruiting coordinator and receivers coach. He said, I'll do anything. So he took the job. Now, Dabo was a natural with people. His personal power was attractive, and the potential recruits responded to him, and Clemson's recruiting improved dramatically under his leadership. In 2008, the head coach resigned halfway through the season, and the athletic director picked Dabo to be the interim head coach. Now, you see, when a head coach resigns, typically... They'll select the defensive or offensive coordinator to take over. But Dabo had done such a good job in recruiting and other things that he was given the opportunity. Now, Dabo was told the job was his to earn. You see, at the end of the season, he'd be given an interview. He wasn't guaranteed the head coaching job after that. So he had 48 days left in the season, five games to prove to the world that he belonged as a head coach. But the minute that it was announced, the critics came out of the woodwork. He hadn't been a head coach. He hadn't led an offense. He was only 39 years old. He had no proven track record. And you know what? Even Sweeney started to buy into the rhetoric. I'm too young. The system won't let me make it. Is this really what I want to do? That first week, Coach Sweeney couldn't sleep. And he wouldn't sit in the head coach's office to work. You see, he believed it really wasn't his office. He was not the head coach. He was the interim coach, right? Plus, he couldn't do the job anyway. Everyone believed that, right? When he did walk into the head coach's office, he said he felt like an imposter. So imagine, here he was on the verge of his dream with the opportunity of a lifetime sitting right in front of him, and he was going to give up because of doubt. Have you ever done that? You ever been on the verge of something great and stopped and not started because of doubt? Have you ever given into your own set of beliefs that I can't do this or I'm not as talented as that person? Have you ever started something that you knew could change your life, but when things didn't initially go as planned, you started to doubt your decision? Yeah. If so, then take a lesson from Coach Sweeney. As Sweeney tells the story, three days before his first game, early in the morning, he pulled into the parking lot. Now. As the recruiting coordinator, you don't have a designated parking spot. But the head coach did, and Dabo hadn't been parking there. But for whatever reason, on that day, in the midst of all this uncertainty in his head, he pulled into the head coach's parking spot, something he'd never done before. It was a little bit of a, as if to say, uh, you know what? I am the head coach. In the pre-dawn darkness, his headlights illuminated the parking spot's number, painted on the ground, number 88. It was the same number he wore as a a wide receiver when he played football. He took it as a positive sign. And he would later say it was kind of like heaven was saying, you can do this. I got your back. He said after that morning, he went in and settled into the head coach's office. And that day he received an email, a daily devotional. And the scripture that day was Revelations 3, which says, for I know what you have done And I have opened a door for you that no one can shut. He said when that email showed up, a feeling of peace just enveloped him. And along with that feeling came this belief that he belonged. And with this new window on his belief window, Clemson would go on to beat Boston College, South Carolina, and finish the season with four out of five wins. And Dabo became the head coach of the Clemson Tigers at age 40. And in the years since, Coach Sweeney's been one of the highest winning coaches in college football and a national champion several times. The truth is, your reality is a reflection of your strongest belief. And when you find that belief, just like he did that morning, it's a powerful, powerful thing that drives our life more than we realize. Let me illustrate. Imagine there's a bracket surgically attached to the back of your head. And connected to that bracket is a thick metal wire that extends up and forward over the top of your head, and then it curves down inches in front of your forehead, and there it holds in place a wide frame. This frame holds a window, and this window is in front of your eyes. And through this window, you see the world. And no matter where you turn, the window is always in front of you. This is your belief window. Now, you can't actually see your belief window because it's invisible, but it's there, and we all have one. Your belief window is always with you, shaping, coloring, filtering, interpreting all the data that comes in and out, oceans of data that pass through your window each day, and helping you make sense of the world. And through it, you interpret things like relationships, meaning, feelings about yourself, and others. The tricky thing about your belief window is that over time, you've placed perceptions on your window that you believe are true, whether they reflect reality or not. Through your experiences and this interpretation of social feedback and other things, you've fashioned hundreds of perceptions of yourself. I'm smart or stupid, beautiful or ugly, creative or dull. And regardless of whether these perceptions are false or true, they guide your thinking. And because you believe it and perceive it, you act accordingly. Now, the danger is that erroneous perceptions on our belief window can cause great harm and confusion in our life. So, unless our belief window truly reflects our reality or the reality, things as they are, not as we wish they were or as they should be, we can fool ourselves and damage our chances for growth in any activity or relationship we undertake. Remember, If you like, you can take out your belief window and replace it with another. You can replace your view with another view that more aligns with whatever truth is or what you value. And if you decide not to purposely change your belief window, it's likely that your brain will do it for you. And instead of you, your subconscious will take on the job of overseeing your view of the world, your relationships, and yourself. Now, belief windows are powerful. They've shaped history. They've toppled dictators and elected presidents and fostered families, destroyed societies, and built empires. So if we could understand how to create and sustain true beliefs on our belief window, imagine the power we could harness for good in our lives and the lives of those around us. When Tyler Vigen was finishing law school a few years ago, he did something really fun. He went on the search for identical twins. Not twins as you and I think of twins, but twins in terms of data sets. He looked for completely unrelated data sets that showed perfect correlation with each other. For example, he found perfect correlation between the per capita cheese consumption in our country and the number of deaths by those who got tangled in their bedsheets. He found the same perfect correlation between the number of new Nicholas Cage movies released in a year and the deaths of people by swimming pool drownings. Now, from Tyler's data sets, you'd conclude that the more Nick Cage movies that are released in any given year, the more people who throw themselves into swimming pools and drown. But this conclusion, it doesn't reflect reality, does it? The same goes for some of the conclusions we place on our belief window. They're absurd. They may seem correlated, but they are no closer to reality than Tyler's research. But we buy into them because we think there's a correlation. For example, let's say you tried to start a new business, but the first eight people that you talked to showed no interest. So you conclude it doesn't work. But the truth is, it does work and can work. But maybe you haven't talked to the right people or in the right way or at the right time. Even more... The truth is, some people just say no in any business. And each minute of each day, our brain is interpreting data and drawing correlations that may or may not be real. So our established patterns of thinking may bring unrelated factors together and treat them as fact when they're not. Let me give you an example. Not long ago, I had a conversation with my college-age daughter. And I suggested that she take an accounting class, to which she immediately replied, I don't think so, Dad. I'm not good at accounting. And I asked her, well, how do you know? You've never taken an accounting class. And she said, I just know, Dad. I wondered, what conclusion had she formed that caused her to have the belief on her belief window that she wasn't good at accounting? And as we talked more, I learned that she'd struggled to easily understand concepts in her math classes. She had concluded that since she struggled grasping math concepts, she would not be good at accounting because accounting had something to do with numbers. But reality was drastically different than her beliefs. First, almost all people struggle with new math concepts. Math takes time and repetition and experience until those concepts make sense and are more easily grasped. And the truth is accounting is a language. Yes, you must be able to subtract and add, but accounting requires you learn the language of business and understand how to categorize things. So accounting is more about learning the structure and language of business and less to do with math. That's the truth. So as a sophomore in college, she got brave and she took her first accounting class. The class was difficult as it is for almost all students, but she did exceptionally well. And as a result, her belief window changed. Now, can't you see the dangers of incorrect beliefs on our belief windows? You see, we don't attempt. We, we continue to be and do less than. We don't change. And we live with less than we might otherwise. Sometimes we get used to living with less than, don't we? But I know this. You were not put here on this earth to be less than. And you're not defined by where you've been, only by where you're going. And you may have tried and failed. So what? From this point on, you can see with new eyes. You are capable, strong enough, smart enough, and tough enough. And your beliefs can change, and that will enable you to change your life. And this, this is your time to do that. It's time to replace your belief window and begin to live the life that you know You can live. So how do you open your eyes to the truth of what should be on your belief window? Well, the funny thing is, the minute you understand that you have a belief window and it is real, you'll start to change the beliefs you hold on that window. That's a good thing. This challenging your beliefs on your belief window will change the way you act. This process of challenging and evaluating and deciding is how you determine what you value. And you watch what happens when you start to determine what you value. It will enable you to act and think differently. It'll teach you to be proactive rather than passively following whatever wrongs life has placed on your belief window. In 2015, Sarah Bareilles wrote a Broadway play called Waitress. And in that play, the hit song she sings is called She Used to Be Mine. And it's sung by the lead character, a waitress, whose life has become something she didn't expect or want. And in speaking of her life, in a very self-reflective moment, the character sings these words. It's not what I asked for. Sometimes life just slips through the back door and carves out a person and makes you believe it's all true. And then she sings to herself directly and says, and now I've got you. And you're not what I've asked for. And if I'm honest, I know I would give it all back for a chance to start over and rewrite an ending or two for the girl that I knew. That's true, isn't it? Life sometimes just slips through the back door and carves out a person that we sometimes don't recognize. But can't you see that the minute you start challenging that and begin to think deliberately and positive about your beliefs on your belief window, watch the change. But it must be deliberate and positive. You know, behavioral researchers have found that as much as 77% of everything we think is negative or counterproductive. And many of those thoughts are subconscious, meaning your brain is naturally feeding you the negative. Let me explain why. No doubt you've heard the story of an overweight man who needed to lose 40 pounds. His biggest hindrance was that he drove by his favorite bakery every day on his way to work, and he had no willpower to resist stopping and getting his favorite pastries. He was saved one day when the road in front of his bakery closed for construction for a period. Several weeks later, however, the road reopened, and on the first morning, driving to work past this bakery on the newly opened road, he was battling his willpower. Finally, he decided that he would drive past the bakery, and if there were no empty parking spaces directly in front of the building, he would not stop and keep driving to work. Almost an hour later, he showed up at home with an empty donut box and pastry remnants all over his suit. And his wife asked, honey, what happened? He said, I drove past the bakery and all the parking spaces out front were full. But the fifth time around the block, one opened up and I had to stop. Now, this story seems a bit crazy, doesn't it? But our unconscious, subconscious thinking does crazy things to us. Let me give you another example. For example, suppose you set a goal to lose weight by exercising early in the morning each day. And on the first day, when the alarm goes off, your brain defense mechanisms, your brain's way of thinking immediately goes to work. And you think, I'm tired, but I should get up because I need to lose weight. But the minute you think about weight, your deep-rooted anxiety about weight loss is activated that anxiety exists because you've repeatedly looked in the mirror and thought, man, I need to lose weight. I need to exercise, but it's so hard. I can't do it. You've had these thoughts in the past. And as a result, your brain associates weight loss with negative feelings of anxiety. One of those negative correlations we talked about. All of this happens in your subconscious. So with your brain fighting against you because of those negative correlations, Your exercise is sabotaged, not just by the fact that you're tired, but because your subconscious thoughts are saying, I don't like this anxiety and and thinking about weight loss causes it, so go back to sleep. Sounds crazy, right? Perhaps, but this happens to average people in different ways all the time. So your belief window can change your subconscious thinking. You can replace the window on your belief window with values like Exercise will help me think clearly, sleep better, and live longer. Or, I love how I feel when I'm done exercising. And this change in your belief window is the first step to change. When that alarm goes off, because you've placed those beliefs on your belief window, those things will become evident in your thinking. They will purposefully and deliberately change your way of thinking. If a person can just start the process of purposefully placing beliefs on their belief window, These beliefs will be tested and retested. And this reality testing enables a person to develop and control their impulses and act independently and grow. So how do you place correct beliefs on your belief window? Well, on purpose. In a matter of speaking, you talk to yourself. You talk truth and encouragement. And that may be opposite from your current belief window habits. A study published in Psychology of Sport and Exercise had 72 tennis players take part in several rounds of play. Half were taught, self-talk, and half were not. And they all went through the exact same training program and rounds of play together. But in the final measurement and assessment, self-talkers improved their game significantly more than those who didn't self-talk. And interestingly, also had significantly less anxiety throughout the learning process. Now, this has been proven over and over again that self-talk works. Recently, a meta-analysis was conducted. Now, a meta-analysis is a look at a number of studies and the results from those studies. And it looked at the validity of self-talk strategy for improving athletic feats. So it included 32 sports studies. And it was shown a distinct and clear correlation between self-talk and performance improvement. By talking to ourselves, we become more deliberate. And this creates a better process to think, feel, and act instead of letting our unconscious do the thinking for us. But how we talk is critical. Positive, truthful, and encouraging makes all the difference. What we say to ourselves, when we say it, and how we say it has a tremendous impact on our self-esteem and our beliefs and our overall sense of worth. Let me give you a simple example. Let's consider again our decision to get up at 5.30 and exercise. When the alarm goes off, your brain starts to give you reasons to defer or delay or decline, but your self-talk may go something like this. I'm a person of great worth, and I'm exercising because it clears my mind and empowers me with strength. And because I'm making something of myself, just in saying those words, you will override that subconscious thinking. Self talk does work. So, as you go about challenging and changing the beliefs on your belief window, remember the lesson from Coach Sweeney that when you walk confidently into the coach's office, if you will, into your new role, envisioning your new self, and change your belief on your belief window, Good things happen. So be willing to challenge those beliefs that you hold. Ignore the false correlations that have formed in the past and those conclusions on your belief window that have slipped through the back door and started to create someone in life that sometimes you don't even recognize. Most of all, remember that today is a new day and that you can place correct beliefs on your thinking and declare them into action. Because while you can't be what you can't see, you can be what you can see. So we'll talk more about the steps to opening your eyes on our next podcast. Thanks for joining us here today. And I look forward to being with you again soon.